I Am South African was born to tell South Africa stories of everyday heroes doing extraordinary things in these really extraordinary times. We've been through exceptional times as a country and in the last 26 years of democracy, we've seen a nation that no matter its challenges, knows how to rise above and help each other, even when the negatives are stacked against us. COVID-19 is no exception and has created yet another crisis as we join the world in fighting this global pandemic. I am here to tell South Africa stories, the stories of heroism, patriotism, finding the saviours among us and spotlighting those who don't wait for permission to make a change for good. Welcome to the Happiness Agenda with me, Yuveka. Every week, I'll be bringing you a story that has warmed my heart and made an impact on South Africa. So who is this guy? Well, this guy is Mark Sham. Who is Mark Sham? He's an entrepreneur, a writer and speaker. He is the founder and CEO of Suits and Sneakers. You might have heard of them, but more importantly, Mark Sham is an all-round happy guy who wants to make the world a better, happier place. Am I right, Mark? Is that a good enough description of who you are? I would say that's a very good description. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so I, I've heard of you now and then, Mark, you know, over the years, especially when it comes to suits and sneakers. But what caught my attention about you in, in recent weeks is um, where I saw a little story about, you know, you saying that happiness should be taught as a compulsory school subject, and that fascinated me. What do you want? What do you want done? Tell us. Okay, yes. Well, I mean, since uh, you have the word happiness in the segment, I mean, it mm. just makes sense. I, you know, for me to kind of qualify that statement, I want to go back a little bit. Um, you know, suits and sneakers, in terms of what I've been trying to do and why it exists, comes about because of many of the frustrations that I have with the schooling system at large. And I don't think it's the schooling system's fault. I think that we've iterated um, a marginally outdated system for the longest time. And now it's really starting to show. So I like to think about this specific situation in that I am 18 years out of school now, which is crazy to even think about. And I say that because it's given me enough time to look at how life has gone so far, what where school was useful, and where it absolutely fell short for me and other people. And I think when you look at a lot of the problems that we have in society at large, it comes down to the fact that we haven't really received the proper, let's call it training, if you will, around how to be a good human being in this world, how to coexist yeah. with others, how to deal with everything that life throws at you for the good and for the bad. And so for me, I just find it absolute madness that it's 2020. The world is so richly complex in the way that it is. And people are not being taught how to deal with this complexity or just to be happy in life. I kind of think, isn't that the point? Like, what's the point of learning all the other stuff if at the, if at the end of the day people aren't happy? But, Mark, so, I suppose, you know, what would you say to, to others out there who say to you, but how do you actually teach someone to be happy? You're either happy or you're not, or you, you try and find some happiness somewhere. But, I mean, can you really, really teach someone to be happy? So the absolute answer is yes, it's definitive. It's not even maybe. This wisdom actually goes back beyond the ages. So I think when someone says to you, um, you're either happy or you're not, and that's just one of those things, or can it really be taught? 
that's just showing that you don't know what you don't know. But for me, what I've seen is that despite the fairly subjective nature of what I would call shallow happiness, the real in-depth happiness, the stuff that over time makes people richly happy, is much more a practice than a feeling. And in the same way that you need to go to gym and you need to train your muscles to prepare for a certain type of exercise or a certain level of fitness, so I believe that we need to train our, our minds um, to be happy. But the data is clear on this, that happiness can be taught, and more importantly, that happiness is a practice. And like everything else, if you're willing to put in the work, you will become a happier version of yourself. But You know, Mark, and I'm, I'm just thinking now, and I've got two kids, and, and, and I'm thinking, you know, aren't we all just born happy? Aren't we happy as kids? And, you know, we go along and, and we don't know too much about life. And, of course, you know, they say ignorance is bliss, right? So where do you think the problem starts? Yeah, well, that's a really good point. Um, if you take a look at most five-year-olds, they are very much living in the present. They don't think about times gone by and they don't think about the future. They're just living in the here and now. So in that instance, I think that we can take a lot from five-year-olds as an example because they are very happy. Um, and they also don't know what they don't know. And to a degree, you could argue that in their case, ignorance is bliss. But I think what happens is as young people, we slowly but surely start to become formed as a human being that we are later on in life on the back of our environment, um, our conditioning and our experiences. And what, I, what, infinitely, what, what happens over time is that we aren't taught how to deal with the hardships in life, for example. So you have a lot of things like traumas that shape young people. And so they aren't taught to deal with trauma, for example, or pain. And yet that's quite ironic to me because when you actually look at life, it is absolutely inevitable to feel pain of some sort. It is absolutely impossible to go through life without having some form of hardship. Just take what's happened in 2020 with COVID. It may be a black swan event, but it just shows you that you could be doing everything perfectly and life can still be turned against you. So why, if this is the case, if we know this, why on earth are we not training young people to anticipate these things? And I don't mean in a very cliched um, oh, you got to take the good with the bad, my boy. Why do we not put them through active training on this note? The same way we do with things like math or English or science or literacy. Why? I just, I don't get it. Is the point of the schooling system not to prepare young people to be um, relevant or even thrive in the future? I mean, that's kind of why it was created in the first place. To, you know, to answer the, the needs of the Industrial Revolution, but we're not, we haven't kicked it on. And so people do take offense sometimes when I say that the schooling system is incredibly outdated. They don't like that, but when it comes down to the brass tacks, they cannot argue with it on this end because we teach all the things that don't ultimately serve us at 90 years old. Well, I, you know, I wish that you were my teacher when, when I was in school, Mark, because, I mean, I learned things that I absolutely no use for, absolutely no use. I don't even know, I don't need to know how to balance a book or anything like that, but I promise you it made for some miserable times during exams. So <laughs> Mark, do you, do you believe that if you've learned or mastered the art of, of being happy, that this will definitely make for a very successful life? Because some might argue, but you know, how will you know the highs if you don't know the lows? And life is not one big party. So is it really reality for somebody to go through it trying to be happy all the time? 
Well, I think it depends on how you define happiness. And my stickler of the version of happiness is not about avoiding pain. It's about learning how to process pain, for example. It's not about avoiding hardship. It's about learning how to deal with it. And so I think there's happiness, absolutely to your point, in uh, the highs and lows, the night and day. There's no question. But how you frame these things matters. So we're not trying to, you know, that's why I think it's misleading when we talk about happiness because that word is quite loaded with different stigmatisms. And most people think about happiness, the picture that they have in their minds is almost like happy-go-lucky, I've got this happy feeling. I just walk around joyful and happy all the time. And that's almost rooted in the idea that, so like I teach happiness, but I'm not happy all the time. But that's not because the point. Because we hate people like that. We hate those people who are happy all the time. I mean, they can get pretty annoying, right? Yeah, and they don't really exist. I mean, if they're honest <laughs> no, they with themselves. Yeah. But you, are you getting my point? Like, I think it's it's absolutely about preparing people for this world at large. That's what happiness looks like to me. And that's why... Um, when I when I've started teaching these things, and by the way, like what qualifies someone like me to teach happiness mm-hmm. is really on the the back of I've been I think I've been studying happiness informally for the longest time, and I don't think you have to be an expert on something to teach it. Sometimes when you're someone like me, you can master something by teach it by teaching it, and you don't have to be perfect in order to teach something. That mm-hmm. you know, there's principles at play here. But what I found, for example, especially in the last year, where I've been teaching happiness my happiness levels have increased dramatically because every day I'm placing my attention on the concept of what happiness is, the definition, and then the practices and so forth and so forth. And I think that I've never been a happier version of myself, but that doesn't mean that I don't have bad days or I don't have horrible emotions or people don't upset me. Like, I think we have to get through all of that. And so to your point, if you're talking about that happy-go-lucky feeling all the time, simply unsustainable. If you're talking about a deep, lasting, sustainable happiness, it's absolutely possible. So how do you deal with those days? How do you deal with those bad days? How do you deal with the, the disappointments in life? How do you deal with maybe somebody who's, who's really not very nice being around you and, you know, kind of ruins the moment for you um, or, or several moments? How do you, Mark Sham, actually deal with that? So let me give you two scenarios that I think are very practical that happened in 2020. Um, and again, this is why I say it comes down to strategic practices. Okay, so... Um, to give you some context, uh, I had been building up to a certain type of lifestyle for at least five years. And for the last year and a half, I've really been enjoying that lifestyle or all of 2019 and some of 2020, where I was based in London, but coming back to South Africa once a month, I was traveling at least twice a month to a different country. I was working from almost anywhere I wanted to in the world because I had my laptop with me and an internet connection. It had taken me a long time to build this. And I had this huge expectation for what 2020 was going to look like. And then COVID comes around. And I think it was almost, in my case, obviously it wasn't sent for me, but in my case, the lesson was it was there to teach me around what does happiness really look like? Because what happens when things then don't go your way through no fault of your own even? So then to answer your question, I had some patches. I got onto a plane on the 16th of March to come back to South Africa. I thought I was coming back for six weeks. It's been seven months. My little dog is sitting in London. Um, My home, I'm I'm paying rent on a little apartment in London that I'm not using as we speak. I I couldn't tell you when I was allowed to go back. Um, My work was disrupted. Almost every facet of my life um, got beat up by COVID. And 
you asked me like, how do I deal with those times? There were mornings where I woke up genuinely between you and me and I was just beyond mm. depressed. I was just, I just sat there and I was like, I don't know what to do. And I just feel I miss my old life and I've done nothing to actually deserve this directly. I, I've done everything right. And I would just, so again, how do I deal with this? It's by pretending that these, you, you don't deal with it by pretending you're not sad and you don't deal with it by pretending this doesn't happen. I learned a valuable lesson in 2020 in the form of sitting in the fire, learning how to process something. Because what happens is, when you, certainly for me, in my early 20s, I would do anything to avoid pain or numb pain. So I remember in my 20s, what I would do is when I was having a bad time, I would drink a lot. I loved alcohol. I loved using alcohol because if I had a, a rough week and I had a few drinks, then I didn't hmm. think about the bad week anymore. And then I could have a big party. But of course, it was waiting for me on Monday with some compound interest. Yeah, yeah. So, you know what I mean? So like, by instant, so I've learned the, the value of sitting in the fire, getting to a place where instead of pretending this is not happening, actually sitting with it for a little while. And sometimes not even trying to get rid of it as quickly as possible. It's okay to have a down day, but yeah. don't do it two days in a row. Can I get up the next day and say, okay, well, now there's nothing I can do. So what's in my control? And then progress is an absolute in other words working through the the pain that you're experiencing or the bad day powerful if you ask me what i do with an with a person who hurts me i've come to learn that hurt people are the ones who hurt other people mm. and so when you can when you can master this lethal combination of not caring what people think i usually i usually normally swear at this point in time but if you can okay. master <laughs> Oh, perfect. Well, I mean, there's no other way to say it. If you can get to a place where you don't give a fuck what other people think, but you combine yeah. that with empathy, you are basically, you gain a rare superpower in the world. In other words, hurt people are the ones who hurt people. Healthy people mm. want other people to grow or to, to, to see good in their lives. So when someone does something mean to you or ugly to you, they are indirectly telling you that something is not right in their life. Yeah. And they are actually indirectly crying out for help. Now to have the the emotional intelligence to see it for what it is, not care what they think, but have empathy for them, not judge them in return and see it for what it is, is a superpower that takes time to develop. And so that's how I get through these things. But don't, don't mistake that for me being perfect with everyone all the time or not wanting to swear at people yeah. on the road or <laughs> just a practice. The more I do it, the more I see, okay, this person's hurt me, but they're actually hurting me much more out of them. It's a them thing. It's not a me thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's. I think it's that conscious choice you have to make or have that conscious thought about this is actually about them. It's not about me. But Mark, you speak about just what, you know how you were feeling, the challenges you faced during COVID, and more and more as we get towards the end of the year, and more people I chat to, uh, many of them seem to be, even though we are in sort of lockdown level one and people have a little bit more freedom to 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 do the things um, that they as, as close to normal as possible, they're still feeling hell of a down. People just can't seem to, you know, to, to pick themselves up after this. I, I don't know if you're having the same experience with people, no matter who they are, whether they've got money, whether they haven't got money, whether they've got jobs or they don't have jobs or have children or don't have children. Everyone just seems to be in the doldrums. I mean, what would you say to these folks if they say, oh, come on, Mark, how can you expect us to be happy after this horrible year we've had? What, what would you say to the rest of us, Mark? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I have two strategies or practices that I've learned about over time. And again, everything I'm telling you is 
information that I've gleamed off other people, I've watched in videos, I've read, and then I've practiced it. Now, again, it's not about getting it right all the time perfectly, but it's about practicing it until you get it, until it becomes second nature. So the two things I would say to anybody who's who's saying that they just can't get through it is two key things. One is where you replace your attention is where your energy will go as a human being. And we have limited attention spans. So there is a key place in your life that you get to where you realize that if you what you focus on is literally what you will think about all the time. So if you focus on everything that's had that's been bad throughout the year, then you will literally start to be more and more down every single day. I know that's easier said than done, but I would also put it to something that changed my life in terms of happiness. There's a beautiful saying that says, expectation is simply the agreement that you make with yourself that you won't be happy unless you get what you want. Now, when you analyze that statement, you realize that most people had an expectation in their mind. They were telling themselves a story about what 2020 was going to look like. And then COVID came along and basically took that away. And now they're holding on to this old expectation of what 2020 was going to be like. And that rigid, you know, having that rigid nature instead of having a fluidity is what's really causing them pain. Because I can jump in with that. I was going to travel to 20 different countries this year. I was going to work from all over the world. I had speaking gigs, speaking gigs lined up for the first time outside of South Africa. Really, 2020 was going to be the knockoff year. I was going to get married. That didn't happen. There was going to be a lot of things. That girl and I eventually ended up breaking up. There's, I can tell oh, you no. about expectation for 2020. And again, that's why I'm trying to say. Like, so, But what I told myself every single day is where I place my attention is where I place my energy. So if I keep mm. focusing on that, so what 2020 actually came to me was that 2020 had to be a painful year for me because pain is a precursor for growth. And mm. I focused on that concept and I just focused on putting one foot in front of the other. It actually turns out that 2020 was the best thing that happened to me. Now, if you told me that in May, I would have wanted to kill you. But <laughs> in hindsight, because of the effort that I put in and the work that I've done, 2020 was has been so valuable for me. It shifted you and I probably wouldn't be having this conversation if it weren't for COVID. Um, my career shot through the roof because of COVID. It, mm. like the lessons that I learned, I had to learn to reinvent myself from scratch where my business was doing just fine and through no fault of my own, I couldn't run events anymore in person. I couldn't do other yeah. things. I had to learn how to set up a podcasting and webinar studio. I had to learn all these new skills. I wasn't allowed to talk to an audience for seven, eight months. I had to literally, I haven't made a single cent of the old way we made money pre-March. Now, mm. if, if, if I got anything out of 2020, is it taught me, it gave me that confidence that I can get through this. And it's much like riding a bicycle. When you know how to pedal with one foot in front of the other, eventually you do it kind of subconsciously. And yeah. I, if I didn't have that in 2020, if I didn't see that, now I can choose to frame 2020 in whichever way I want. I'm choosing to see it that it was single-handedly actually going to be the best thing that ever happened to me long-term, but in the short-term, it was painful. So you can see that a lot of this is just a story that we tell ourselves in our head. And of course, if you don't believe that in itself, that is a story that you're telling yourself in your head. But when yeah. you start to realize that you can reframe any situation in whichever way you want, and that we are already doing this in every facet of our lives, yeah. then you start to take extreme ownership for your life. And that's why actually 2020 in hindsight has been one of the best things that happened to me. I wouldn't have asked for it, but since it happened, I've made full use of it. And I would say to people on that side, like you just didn't put in the work. 
Now, of course, some people, some people really got the crap kicked out of them, to be fair. <laughs> well, Mark, I really people, hope that Felix's fiance is not going to be listening to this podcast, okay? <laughs> when you say that, But what I mean is, some people might have lost loved ones. Yes. You know, like they they might have lost their job and like some people, lives, yeah. they, like some people might have, they didn't have any saving. So it's, I think it's also easier said than done to look at those people and be like, oh, you, you kind of have what you deserve. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying if you choose to be, if you choose to frame it the way I have, which is I'm taking yeah. extreme ownership for every facet of my life, the good and the bad. It's mm. incredible how powerful you become. Mark, I know that that you are passionate about South Africa becoming a happy nation. And I think most of us, you know, most of us are very happy here. Most of us uh, believe that the grass is definitely not green on the other side. We love our country. We love being in South Africa. We know that, that you know, for, for the most part, we are lucky to live in a country like South Africa. But yes, we've had, apart from COVID, apart from lockdown, we've had our fair share of of challenges. We've seen racism rear its ugly head again, to be completely cliched. There's a lot going on when it comes to uh, crime um, and the economy as well. So, you know, how do you reckon, do you reckon that that we can still all just become, just be a happy nation for, for, for the bigger part of it? Well, you know, I like to be, um, I'm esoteric in many ways. I'm an emotional person in many ways, but I also like to be quite practical. I actually think South Africa is in the weirdest spot that we've ever been um, for a host of reasons. Can people happy be happy? Absolutely. You can technically choose happiness in any, in any form of your life, in any place you can choose happiness. Um, I know that sounds cliched to most people, but when you get into it, when you understand this thing in depth, it really, you see it for the truth that it is. That said, I don't buy into this idea that because you were born in a country, you have to be here. If an environment is not working for you, I would suggest you leave. I would say that if you were a South African and not enjoying South Africa, I would say that if you're an American and not enjoying America, whatever it is, I, like, I don't know what it is about South Africans that you're allowed to change your job if it's not serving you. If your car, if you don't like your car anymore and you want another one, you can change it. No one judges you. But boy, oh boy, when you change countries, it's almost like, that's the, the step too far. So my advice is a slightly different to people. I think that just understand if you're running away from certain problems, those problems will follow you. It doesn't matter which country you go to. And I can tell you this because yeah. I live in London. It doesn't matter if you haven't dealt with your shit. If you don't take the time to sit in your own fire and work out what the hell is going on in your own heart, in your own mind, you can move to the most remote place on the planet. If mm. you think problem started and ended with your ex you know what do we do what we can take your ex if she's the he or she's the one that's bugging you we can duct tape them to a rocket and send them to the moon now what are you happy are you instantly okay <laughs> do you know what i mean but if you're running yeah. away from something um as in a problem and you're not willing to prepare to deal with it that's a different story but mm. in the same way that like you and i we might have been born in Joburg and then make a move to, I don't know, Durban or Cape Town because it actually suits us to be by the ocean. Have do you, have you done anything wrong with that? I don't think so. I think you're yeah. just moving according to any, you know, your environment does shape who you are to a degree. So I think you have to determine why are you unhappy? Are there some things that, you know, there's some things about South Africa uh, that deeply frustrate me and living in London has showed me that there are some things in this country that are just not okay. And I don't care who wants to come in and spin it to me any which way. It's not okay. Yeah. 60 yeah. murders a day, not okay. It actually tells you how unhappy we are as a South African nation. Yeah. Why are we so violent? Why are we so angry? 
that said, it's a, you can see it's a very loaded, complex question yeah. and answer. Yeah, lots of socioeconomic. You can frame it whichever way you want. But also remember that no matter where you go in the world, you give up something and you gain something. So, you know, yeah. I learned this by moving to London. You, you don't get the great weather. You don't get space. You don't get some of the beautiful freedoms that we have here. But then you gain other yeah. things. Being in the center of the world, two hours away from 50 different international cities. Mm -hmm. you got to pick what's valuable to you. And mm -hmm. so I think South Africans could be happy, but I actually think that we are an unhappy nation. We haven't dealt with our trauma. I think what we did in 1994 was, hey, guys, white people basically said to every other, every other race, they said, look, we're really sorry. Okay, we're sorry for what we did. Okay, it's peace. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. We, everybody cool? Okay, yeah. let's just go on. No one dealt with our stuff. We have yeah. just kicked the emotional can of the traumas that we had as a nation down the road for 26 years. We yeah, have and it's collected a lot of dirt along that road. It's collected Absolutely. a lot of stuff along the road. Yeah. And leaders yeah. are, are traumatized because why else would you steal from the very people you are meant to serve? These people who are so poor and you have more than enough and you would take. That tells you about the state of our government. Not from a racial perspective, not even from a political perspective. Emotionally, we have a government yeah that is suffering from PTSD, they cannot help but put their hands in the cookie jar. Something is woefully broken. They have don't, not dealt with their traumas, mm -hmm. which is the only reason why you see the, quite frankly, the unacceptable moves that uh, our yeah. current government yeah. makes. But whoever comes in in place of them, if we ever got that right, if they don't deal with their shit, we will have the exact same, same issues. The nation, yeah. we're stuck with this right now. And I think that that puts paid to, you know, the belief for, for, for many people, Mark, is that if you have enough money, you can be happy. Because some people might be listening to us and going, hey, Mark and Yveka, you come from privileged backgrounds. Of course, you can be happy. You can find your happiness. But you really can't find happiness even with just, just a little. Not, not that it's okay for everyone to have a little. But I just want as a parting shot from, from you, Mark, to, you know, to just highlight for us that everyone, no matter who or where you are, how little, how old, race, whatever it is, you can't find your own bit of happiness in this world. Yeah, I think a way you look at it is if you've ever read Viktor Frankl's uh, Man's Search for Meaning, you know, he has a guy who's literally getting persecuted during the Holocaust. And he tells you that between stimulus and response, there's this tiny little gap where you have the decision to choose. Now, keep in mind, he has a guy who thinks he's literally going to die. He's in the most, he's not poor, he's facing death. And he has a guy who says, well, I think that in the middle of this, I've got a, I've got a space where I can choose how I, how I frame this situation. So, of course, you would say to anybody, whether you have money or not, that that is true. But, of course, that takes a sound mind. That takes a strong EQ. I think money does play a part to happiness in the form of we are physiological creatures. If you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, um, money does well to help us uh, be safe, um, clothe ourselves, eat, put a roof over our head. And so someone who has enough money to do those types of things generally seems to be a little bit more happier than those who don't have that. But the crazy thing about money, and this is very research driven, mm -hmm. is that money makes you happy, but literally to a point. It's got an absolute ceiling. So the way we can prove this is that billionaires are no more happy than millionaires because there's mm -hmm. a ceiling to what money can bring you. Um, and, and so... You know, I think, but uh, there's a there's a great guy um, that I'm reading a little bit about. He's got a name that I can't pronounce on happiness. He says he doesn't believe that fundamentally as a nation, 
a nation can be happy unless they feel that there's parity or fairness. And I think yeah. that's why you see a lot of anger in South Africa. Is that you look around and it's not fair. You know, um, what government's yeah. doing to its people isn't fair. Where, they, where you have such high levels of disparity between rich and poor, it's almost not fair. And I think that's what's causing a lot of unhappiness. And, it's, and, and people can say, so Mark, as your second parting shot, as your second parting shot, <laughs> just, just, just give us, you know, is there a mantra? Is there a line? Is there something we should be saying to ourselves when we open our eyes in the morning and when we close them at night, just so that we can try our best to be the happiest versions of ourselves? Well, this is a cliched one, but it's, there's absolute truth if you're willing to do it, not talk about it, is that gratitude is the single greatest contributor toward your happiness. Because you can't focus on everything at once. So where you place your attention is where you place your energy. If you are focused on what you don't have, you will be a grossly unhappy human being. But if you were to take the time to do two or three things throughout the day, one is literally just write out what you're grateful for. For example, I love being out in the sun today. Uh, I'm grateful for a healthy body. My dad is still alive. Um, I'm thankful to have a job. If you did that on a daily basis, your little gratitude journal, you'll be a happier version. But really where we've seen the happiest people is people who take the time to express their gratitude for other people to those people. So you want, you want the greatest challenge that I would put out to anybody? Do this. This is, do this very specifically. Write, if you're listening to this podcast, literally write out a three-paragraph letter, short, for someone that you are highly grateful for. So like in my case, I might write why I'm grateful for my dad. Who is he? Why am I grateful for him? Then call him, ask him for three minutes uninterrupted and read out the letter. And there's a little bit of science behind it. One is writing it changes the way you see it, taking it from your brain to putting it on paper. And then by taking it, what you've written on paper and actually expressing it to another person, I simply challenge you. Tell me if you're not a happier version of yourself. It's not maybe. It's a hundred out of a hundred times you're happier. Fantastic. Well, just thinking about it has made me happy, Mark. Thank you so much. Just the thought of actually doing that, and I already had a line in my head. So thank you. Thank you so much, Mark Sham. Thank you for, for taking up, you know, this this cause that many people probably would have just, you know, turned their noses up at and go, oh, who can be happy? But you advocate for this every single second of your life. And I think we, we could use more people like you in this world. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it, man. Join us again next Friday to find out who's on the happiness agenda. Till then, remember, a little kindness goes a long way. Happy Friday, friends.